Hi, this guy here is Chris. He used to be a research scientist in the field of molecular biology until, he reckons, God told him he wanted him to look after a suburban church. And this is Pete, who used to be in commercial media until he became a novelist and started teaching people how to be highly creative. One thing we have in common, we've both met God. Yep, and we love people, but we really love God and we love being his children. But we both find being God's kids can be baffling. So, that's why we got together. Not to find the answers, but to try and find the right questions. How are you, Pete? I'm doing very well. Very Good. Well. Looking forward to this one. Well, I hear we've got a, a great title for this. Uh, unlike you, I, I like to do my titles first. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, I like the way you've called My Dad's Better Than Your Dad. This is, a really, this is a really interesting one that has been plaguing my thinking quite substantially of late, and probably more on that in future episodes. But uh, on Sunday at church, had a couple of people in who were down from Darwin, dropped in from Darwin to say g'day, uh, Harry and Serene. And Serene, is, um, she works as a school chaplain. Um, with school kids and things. And we were talking about how difficult it can be to raise questions about faith, um, which we, we thought, yeah, no, that's fine. Let's just do a podcast that does exactly that, um, but puts you under pressure. And, and she pointed out that the, the reason she finds that this is such a thing, that people don't necessarily want to talk about the things of their faith that they question, because there's a fear of being wrong there's a fear that if i say this then you'll tell me i'm wrong or maybe what i believe is not right or so there's this and then you have this thing that you get stuck in being wrong because you're afraid that you'll be wrong and you won't ask the questions and so as opposed to the joy of actually discovering you most of us are happy to oblige yeah, you're wrong. Yeah, I know. Is, is, in fact, rolls off the tongue really easily. <laughs> That's why I had children to prove that I'm wrong. So the question for today, I think with that in mind, I think Serene really hit it, that we are afraid to question ourselves because we might find out that what we believed was not quite right. So this is a question that came to us. It was another one from the email uh, sent to podcast at oddfather.net. <sighs> you ready? Hit me with it. It says, do you think there are other gods in existence that can be worshipped without eternal damnation? Gentle question to begin, not really. For example, Buddha, Ganesh, Vishnu, Shiva, Zeus, Hera, Apollo, Isis, Ra, (gasps) Thoth, or Thoth, sounds like a speech, or goddesses such as Aphrodite, Athena, and she just lists them all off. Is Christianity the only religion or faith that has one God referred to most commonly in the male sense as he without a female counterpart or wife? So I think the second question there is kind of slightly left of centre, but I think the question that she's asked you is really important. Are there other gods in existence that can be worshipped? And what does that mean for us as believers in God? Great question. Um, Got a great answer? And yes. I oh, think good. <laughs> there, are, there are other gods in existence that mm-hmm. can be worshipped. Yep. Now, uh, the second part of that question was without eternal damnation, which is a great emotive term. <laughs> yes. Uh, one that yes. Christians love to throw around mm-hmm. if you question their um, 
knowledge on certain yeah. things. Yeah. So you can't ask that because you're in for eternal damnation. Well, and that comes um, back to what Serene was saying. We, yeah. we're, we're afraid to question these things because yeah. of our eternal damnation. What? what? Um, well, we got it. And so, I mean, one of the, the big question is, what is eternal damnation? Oh, okay. Um, I missed that question. Because that's a, it's, it's an odd, you know, if you do this, what is this consequence that we talk yeah. about? Yeah. And in a simple way, and without going into a whole podcast session about eternal damnation, um, <laughs> A simple understanding, I guess, is that um, eternal damnation can be simplified as to uh, the the uh, ever after um, without God. Okay, so eternity without God. Eternity without God. So the the one when we talked the one we talked about sin, sin is putting something else in the place of God. Yeah. At as the pinnacle of everything. Yeah. So that would be that would open you up to this eternal damnation yeah. or whatever uh, that happens to be. And so I, I guess the thing is that does the worship of other gods take you away from your relationship Almighty God? with God? Yeah. yeah. Um, and actually, is it going to do you any good? Mm. Mm. And, and okay. so I, I guess th- these are the things that you know, I don't think I'm particularly qualified mm. uh, to answer. I'm not an expert on world religions. No. Um, and... I would say that it, it's it's interesting that I would, when talking about these gods, give them all a, a small g. Yeah, which is um, what the Bible does. Yeah. Um, and I and I think it's it's interesting on, on several levels. I, I love this this idea that um, uh, is Christianity the only uh, faith that has a god who doesn't have a partner. Um, <laughs> A wife, yeah. and, and I think, in, in some ways, uh, yes, and on purpose, yeah, um, because you know, the the initial idea of of God and creation, and and the way that Genesis is written, uh, I think, is partly as a direct um, rebuttal mm. of the other gods that people around the. Uh, nation of Israel were worshipping at that time at the time so it wasn't written as a let's dream up this idea of God Mm. um, and our God's going to be single yeah Uh, yeah he's a single father Um, yeah but 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 of course our God isn't single our God is father son and holy spirit one better than being married and I, I can't I can't help feeling that that this is this could be a whole huge conversation that I'm not sure that we're qualified to look at, but that the gods, the ancient gods, and certainly the Greek and Roman gods that were brought into the Holy Land at that time, like Zeus yeah. and all of them, and they were created to be humanized gods. They yes. were like people, and that's how we can understand it. They behaved like people. They got jealous. They got angry. They made babies left, right, and center yes. with people they shouldn't have. They did all those things. So they were a personification of the concept of God. And yet Jesus is also a personification of God so that we can understand exactly what Jesus, what God is. Mm. So if you want to understand what Jesus, what God is like, look at Jesus. That's what, that's what it is. It's pure love. Whereas if you look at the other gods, mm. it's pure well, hate, th- fear, anger. Yeah. Well, I think they did that in reverse, though. Mm. There's, Jesus is the personification of God. Mm. People like Zeus and, and Hera, his wife, yeah. um, are 
humanize uh, uh, humanization of deities. Right. So it's the reverse. It's actually placing human characteristics on divine upon entities, God. right? <clears throat> rather than Jesus uh, was a divine entity with whom we who took on human. So um, so we can react and yeah converse. And yeah. so one is an anthropomorphism. Ooh. I would think, yeah, in that we're actually placing human attributes onto uh, a divine being, yeah, and assuming that they will have all the petty jealousies and yeah. and and uh, emotions that humans have, which, to me, I don't know if there's such a word, but de-deifies them. <laughs> yeah, and so really, yeah. it's an elevation of of a particular human, yeah, to God status, yeah, yeah. whereas God. Um, brought Jesus to earth and what's the term? Incarn uh, incarnate. Incarnate. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which is the reverse of mm. that. So I think there's there's a power in one right. and a horrible mistake in the other. So that actually gives you a really clear, distinct difference, doesn't it, between God of the Bible yes. and God's, small g God's. And, and Paul, wandering through the, through the town, said, yeah, look at all these idols or look at all mm. these temples you've got for various gods what they're trying to do is they're trying to be this let me show you who god really is something sort of so that was that was a thing always um i found a very interesting piece of um writing and 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 i'll i'll, I'll just quote from you wilhelm schmidt wilhelm schmidt from the 1900s was writing uh collected the early reports of explorers missionaries and ethnologists and found among the tribes consistent belief in a supreme being greatly resembling the God of the Bible. When their oldest tribal legends were considered, the results were astounding. Among these tribes, the supreme being is referred to as father, my father, our father, and held in great reverence and affection. And this is so, this is like thousands of years before missionaries arrive with the Bible that we read. God was already there. Mm. He has all these different names because of the different tribal languages and the different tribal beliefs. But I, I like the feeling that God, as we know him through the Bible, is exactly the same as was met by tribal people 10,000 years ago. And I think what we have a problem with is the name. And if to call, like to use the Aboriginal words that they use for their God, can be confusing for us, but we have a God whose name is I am, uh, mm. Yahweh, um, Jehovah. Uh, you know, we have all these different names for God already. Yes. As um, we try to understand who or what God is. Oh, I think that's in some ways logical. Mm. Um, I mean, if God is around us, even though we don't have a book available called the Bible, yeah, surely God is sense able to be sensed and, and detected mm. uh, surely his presence can be felt um and that human beings can interact with him mm. um, yeah. so yes i i think that there's got to be a wider availability mm. if you like uh throughout the, the centuries the millennia whatever where god has been sensed and worshipped yeah um by people in a, a way that's different from the way we experience God. There's there's one other little bit here. That, by the way, if you want to find it, it's Is There Evidence for God of the Bible in Ancient Cultures by a guy called Daniel Cote. Um, he says, 
How is it possible that these preliterate, geographically distanced indigenous tribes possess such an advanced theistic view of God, very similar in many ways to the God of the Bible? And I think, how can it not be like that? Well, I think that's a very interesting point in that these people have not anthropomorphized yeah. this deity by giving him a wife or at attributing human character traits yeah. to him. Yeah. So that that's to me that's a sign of authenticity mm. that they haven't tried to model their um, tribal behavior and, and superimpose that on an image of Onto God, God. Mm. that they may have manufactured. And I, I think this is probably a, a very real sign of an encounter with with God rather than a desire to build a God. You know, let's let's build him in our image. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, rather than letting God um, make us in his image. Um, and I think that's, that's a lot of that. I mean, even uh, um, Hindu mm. religion has paired deities. Uh, Shinto has the same thing. There's, there's a lot of world religions that have basically been started by husband and wife teams. Chris, let me wrap this up then with a question that is, um, as we said about Serena at the beginning, one of those questions that we're almost afraid to ask um, because the question may be bigger than we're willing to hear the answer to. Um, and it's a question that I think, particularly even in, in, in Australia, where we have a massive indigenous history yep. that we ignore, this is a question we need to ask. Can we, can we discover God without our Bible? And I put our in parenthesis because, of course, as we've discussed, it's a Middle Eastern book yes. from a very, very yeah. long time ago. We're not Jewish. We don't speak Hebrew. We're none of that. Mm. So can you discover God without that book? I would be very disappointed if that was not the case. <laughs> I think that um, God has got to be way bigger than having the only way to connect with people being the book we call the Bible. But what's this whole thing about there is only one way to God? There is, through Jesus. Right. But that doesn't mean that you need to read a book to discover him. That doesn't even mean that you need to know what the Bible says. It's scary stuff, isn't it? Yeah. Especially for somebody who runs a church. It's kind of like, wait wait a minute, this is my job. No, it's only part of my job. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my job is to introduce people to Jesus. Right. Now, if, if he's introduced himself before I get there, yeah. in a way that I don't understand... Mm. Uh, I don't think I'm quite as important in God's scheme of things to say, no, no, sorry, you did it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> That's not the right way to do it. Um, do you think people do meet God elsewhere other than, and then come in and go, oh, that's that guy that was in the Bible? Or, or they find the Bible and then find that this is a book that was written about I've God. never had it happen to me, but I, I, would, I would think that that should be mm. a normal thing. I, I, I don't think God needs the church for people to meet him. Mm. Um, uh, and I don't think God needs the Bible for people to meet him. Mm. Um, I think he, he made the church so that those people who have met him can grow and develop their relationship with him. A good church will help people do that. Mm. And a good understanding of the Bible will give context to a lot of the stuff that they may experience. Um, but I would hope 
that people who have met God without the church or the Bible do not find that encountering either of those two things reduces the impact and the excitement of that interaction. Okay, okay. That's a really, really good point. Given that the question originally um, was about are there other gods and are there other, you know, ways of following other other gods that, you know, will lead us to eternal damnation, blah, blah, blah. Is there or how can we as people of the Bible who have met God, have met Jesus, and love passionately both, all, the whole thing. We, yep. we are deeply invested in, in learning from this thing. How can we walk out of you know, wherever we happen to be sitting right now and meet God more? Because if, if people are finding God without all of the stuff that we've got, what are we missing? I think we substitute habit for desire. What? People meet God because they want to. Right. And often I think we've met God, we've read the Bible, we've gone to church, and we sort of feel that we've made it. Oh, we've done it. That's good. We've done it. We got it. Uh, whereas right. I think that's that's okay. That's the thing. Okay, God, you can take me now. Yeah. Uh, if we don't want to press into God more, if we don't want to learn more about God, if we don't want to meet him more often or be, have a deeper relationship with him, then... I think we're sunk. Um, But I think we can do that outside of church. We can do that wherever we are. Um, And I think to free ourselves to do that frees other people who don't yet Mm. know God to not have to do the, the normal stuff that they think they need to do to get to know God. The stereotypes of church and faith and religion, but to be able to also, also, step out of that and say, okay, God, uh, show me something new. Yeah, I, I hope that happens for people. So, what do you reckon? We'd love to hear what your questions might be and what sort of answers you came up with. So you can email us, podcast at theoddfather.net or you can jump onto the web theoddfather.net and check all the socials there and we'll talk to you then. Thanks for your time and keep asking those questions.